Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Golf Only Better podcast as we look ahead to the Open Championship this week at Royal Liverpool Hoylake for what should be a terrific test of golf. Great to have you with us and joined once again by my esteemed panellist of Ben Coley, Deputy Editor of SportingLife.com, Dave Tyndall, betting expert and Betfair tipster for the PJ Tour and the Majors and Matt Cooper, golf journalist and Betfair tipster, European Tour and Live Golf. Welcome to you all. Hello. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> I love that bit. You're quite not quite sure what to say, huh? <laughs> um, look, it's going to be a fun week. Um, very excited to have been there today, seeing the course a little bit. Matt, I know you're there uh, coming to us live from the media centre. Um, so much to look forward to, but let's just start with a little recap of what we saw on Sunday night at the Genesis, uh, the Genesis Scottish Open Renaissance. What a finish. The shot into 18 from Bob McIntyre, but McElroy, when he had to deliver... He absolutely did. He called it, what, one of the best shots of the year. That sort of stinger, two iron into 18. Birdie's 17, birdie's 18 uh, to win by one. I'd love to see him produce that sort of form at a major this week in Hoylake. Uh, but where do I start? Ben, let's come to you first of all. Uh, what What's that done for maybe settling or quieting down a few of the doubters in terms of producing the goods when he absolutely needed to, but in terms of the confidence heading into the year's final major now for Rory. Yeah, it has to be soaring, doesn't it? And I think in his mind, um, it will do a lot. And I don't think he'll at all. Some people are oh, winning. It's hard to win back to back. Well, yeah, it is, but it's also hard to finish second and then finish first the next week. I don't really think that is a is a factor and others will say oh well, yeah it's all very well doing that in the scottish open but you've got to do it in a major but in his mind he's an elite level athlete he'll he'll take all the positives dare i say none of the negatives and i was kind of thinking you know we we have this discussion about rory ahead of pretty much every major like what what's the best way to prepare and he's gone back and forth hasn't he and he's tried the week off he's tried to play um and i kind of think well maybe the best way to prepare is just go and be like the best version of you and that is a guy hitting shots that most people can't even imagine hitting and I, going back like the, the last time he had a real chance to win the Masters was 2018 and he'd won at Bay Hill on his last stroke play start and played well in the match play after that and I kind of think well yeah never mind all this oh what should I just go and play and win and I, I saw his interview on on Monday um, from Hoy Lake where he's just talking about going out there and having fun. And and I I just think it's all good. I don't think there's any problem around expectation. Like he's, he's Rory McIlroy, he's used to expectation. I, I don't think it guarantees us anything this week, but um, the other thing I would say as well, I mean, we're here to discuss the, the Open and rightly so, and there's no getting away from the fact that it's a vastly more significance to him. Um, but also like it, just for the moment itself, it was just brilliant. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I know it was painful for Dave, which we'll come to and, but as a sporting spectacle, I mean, will there ever have been a conclusion to a golf tournament where you see three shots of the caliber hit by Rory on 17 and 18 and, and Bob on 18? Like, just phenomenal golf and a great way to whet the appetite for this week. Really was. Dave, a little painful for you. Tell us why, but tell you how how scintillating that finish was. And, and yeah, and how Rory can use that, hopefully, to land his first major for, for some nine years here at Hoylake. Yeah, it was uh, painful for me because I had um, made Robert McIntyre my headline pick last week at 66 to 1. Uh, so I went through the ringer a bit there. I mean, I, to be honest, it was one of those ones, sometimes if you tip someone and they're right at the top for four days, it's quite draining on you. But I never thought he had any chance of winning until 
that final round, I saw, oh, hello. And then Tyrrell Hatton started to fall away and go a bit mad on himself. And then it looked like, I can't see how McIntyre doesn't win this now. And then he bogeyed that par five. He made a good up and down on the 17th. And on 18, when he hit his drive, it's a squirrely thing that went, bled away to the left. And then suddenly we see that he's got a great lie where the spectators are. Hits that amazing shot, holds the putt, and I'm thinking, well, this is just, it's, it's in, isn't it? Because those last two holes were just brutal. And then McElroy does that. I mean, to play those two holes in five swishes of a golf club is nonsense. It just can't be done. And yet, yeah, he did it. So it was, yeah, it was an amazing finish. And, and yeah, I don't get too up and down about these sort of things. And to be honest, I was thinking, as we've said, Ben just said it, what an amazing finish to a golf tournament. And, and if you watched on social media, there were those sort of clips of both shots where you could see them stinging in and soaring through the air. So it was great visuals as well. So, yeah, I, I did enjoy that week, but obviously um, it was a bit tough. As for Rory, what he'll do now, in my mind, I, I can remember him winning at Hoylake and then he went, and, went on to win the USPGA straight afterwards. So I thought, wow, he's going to be dangerous for this week. Then I did see some stats where the last I don't know, five or six times he's gone into a major on the back of a win. It's not been that brilliant. I think fifth is his best, but a few he hasn't quite delivered. So, you know, it's not it's not as automatic as people think. And then one final little thing on that. If you like your history, you don't get that many golfers who win at the same open venue. Tiger did it at St. Andrews, but then you're going way back. I had a look. I think I found Faldo at Muirfield and Seve at Royalism, but I can't think of anyone else in sort of modern however you define modern, but it's a, just because he's won at Hoylake before, it's, it's blooming hard to go and win there again. It just it very rarely happens. Yeah, you, you're bang on. I think, obviously, as we've talked about every every podcast, it's kind of when is that next major going to come? And you just think a, a guy of that quality, it's it's got to happen. Surely it's got to happen soon. Matt, what's your take on, well, first of all, on, and Ben alluded to it, it's something we talk about all the time, you know, winning the week before a major, it's, I kind of agree with Ben on this because it's, yeah, it's emotionally can be draining it. You've won, you've got all that elation, but it's Rory McIlroy. He's kind of, you know, he, he knows how to win and get the job done and, and deal with all that. Doesn't he just use it as confidence? Isn't it only a positive that he wins the week before? Yeah, I think it probably is. I, I think you tend to look at elite, elite level golfers and people like Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, when they won in the, the week before a major, they didn't consider that to be a problem. They only saw the positives of that. I tell you what, I tend to think about the the shots that we've just discussed as well, by the way, is I'm so pleased that Rory hit an amazing shot and it earned a win because it still rankles with me a little bit that his shot to 17 last year was absolutely sensational. And for understandable reasons, he didn't win the tournament. It kind of gets forgotten. But that that his approach to 17, under enormous pressure, one of the toughest shots in golf, it was sensational. But then kind of typical Rory, the, the, the putt never even looked like it was going to go in the hole. So that's kind of that's kind of like the frustration that we we have in the back of our heads when we when we come to a week like this. And I, I always tend to think that his his sort of relationship with the open is a bit he's a bit like a sort of Roald Dahl character. Like he, he, you know, we first heard about him when he was chipping balls into washing machines when his mom was watching. And then it, all these sort of strange things that's happening. He's third after round one on his debut. Uh, he had that bizarre 
63-80 start at the old course. You know, he had the, he biffs his ball out of bounds when he goes to Royal Port Rush. All these sort of strange things that happen. It's like it's quite a tortured relationship he's got with this event. Um, and it, so I don't think I think him winning last week and him winning at Hoy Lake last time. It wouldn't entirely surprise me if he, if he did the double-double in effect. Um, but then it also, knowing that history, it also wouldn't surprise me if something slightly bizarre sort of... He's a classic golfer who could literally slip on a banana skin, never mind a golfing metaphor, banana skin. I think he literally could do it because he even managed to get into playing five-side football and not playing an open. That's how bizarre his, his relationship with this tournament is. <laughs> you're right. You're, you're, you're right. <laughs> You're bang on. Ben, he's sort of head of the betting, isn't he? He's pre-tournament favourite heading in. I mean, obviously that's just the confidence that people have and, and many people think this could be his time. But what about the, what about the, you know, backing him at that price given, because a lot of it, a lot of people, it's a, it's a heart kind of bet in a way because so many people are just desperate to see him get over the line. Yeah, they are. And then, um... I can understand anyone who, who will be backing him. I think a lot of people might have backed him a few months ago, to be honest. Um, you know, seeing that it's Hoylake, seeing that he's playing well, and um, and they'll be on at slightly bigger prices. He has been pretty much the anti-post favourite. Um, you know, whether or not he really deserves to be ahead of the metronomically awesome Scotty Scheffler in the betting, I'm not so sure. But I think for me, it's it's quite easily summarised. This this is the Open Championship, and um, although the forecast is by no means brutal for the week. I just think it's the one golf tournament I find it very hard to imagine ever backing a six to one shot. It just doesn't feel like something to entertain. And and as well, I mean, look, ultimately, you know, betting's different things for bit different people, I suppose. But ultimately, it's a, it's a, a fun pastime to supplement sporting events, right? Well, if Rory McIlroy's in the, I, I was on Cam Smith last year, and I promise you, uh, I was hoping that Rory hold that put on 17. I was hoping that he drove the green and eagled the last. Um, and whatever happens here, say the same about Tommy Fleetwood. They're the guys I'll be cheering for on Sunday if it comes to it. Um, so no, no betting interest at all in, in the price on offer. Uh, it is what it is, really. He was always going to be towards the top of the market and Scotland just rubber stamped it. Yeah, definitely. Look, let's move on. Loads to get through. Dave, I'm going to come straight to you next for your ever popular trends piece. Now, the name who it's thrown up, got to be honest, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, talk us through, again, the criteria and who has come out on top. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of present it in a slightly different way than I do uh, written down on the page. So it's basically how often something has happened in the last 10 editions. Um, not quite 10 years because we, we had a, a miss. Uh, we missed one, didn't we, in 2020? So... These are these are the strongest trends, and I've, I've put them in order um, to sort of look through what's happened since. So the first one, I think, would be 2014. I think that's 10 years worth. Might be 13. But anyway, so in the, in the last 10 Opens, every winner has been in the world's top 40. Uh, six were actually in the world's top 10. Every winner in the last 10 editions had previously had a top two in a major. That's that's maybe a li little bit surprising that everyone has been that good. I mean, gone are the days of Todd Hamilton and Ben Curtis, who obviously nowhere near that kind of stat. Uh, these are the two things that have happened nine times in the last 10 editions. So nine of the last 10 winners had had a top 20 in one of the two most recent majors. So anyone who's been playing well at the US Open or the US PGA, then they come into the crosshairs. 
Um, and then another one, nine of the last 10 winners of the Open had had a top 10 in the build-up in one of their three previous starts. So that that knocks out uh, Victor Hovland, which is a bit of a surprise because um, he seemed to be in great form and he's just cooled off a little bit. Then uh, the last three, um, eight of the last 10 winners had had a top 10 in the Open before. Uh, so again, past, past form in this tournament, people will quickly jump onto me and say, well, Cam Smith hadn't and Colin Morikawa hadn't, but yeah, but the other eight had. Um, eight of the last 10 winners had already won that season. Uh, so anyone who's had a win in 2023 or you know the back end of 22 beyond the PGA Tour, that that's, uh, stands them in good stead. And then eight of the last 10 winners had also played the week before. So even if you had a bit of a nightmare in uh, the Scottish Open, just the fact that you played there, at least you got 36 holes of Lynx golf under your belt. Uh, that just that just helped. Now that that kind of causes a bit of a tie when when you put those uh, all those numbers in because you. you is scoring points, but what makes a difference by the narrowest of margins is that, is that the open is the major where it helps if you've got a bit of age on your side. So normally in these other American majors where all the twenty-somethings seem to just bomb and bomb their way to victory, in this one we've had a lot of winners thirty-five or over. So you've got you know, back back outside the study period, you've got people like a Darren Clark and Ernie else, but then you've got You've got Mickelson, you've got Zach Johnson, you've got Francesco Molinari. So you've got quite a lot of Eric Stenson. You've got a lot of guys there who are really experienced, um, who have gone on to win the Open. So five of the last 10 winners were 35 or over, which just isn't the case at the American majors. Three were 25 or under. So people have either been quite old or they've won it really young. And then there's just two have won it between 26 and 34, which is a lot of us would think that's the peak uh, kind of age for winning, but it's not in the open. So the very fact that he's over 35 lifts Justin Rose a point clear of Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy. So that's how it came out. And yeah, it was a surprise. Interesting. We know he's been playing well, obviously. He had that great week at Pebble. But yeah, so Justin Rose, top of your trends piece. Very good. And yeah, so McIlroy and Scheffler, uh, just behind. Interesting stuff. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, let's move on to, let's talk a little bit about the course specifically. Matt, I'm going to come to you for this. Obviously, you're there right now. Been out on the course a little bit today. I was there earlier. and It's interesting. Look, it's the 13th time Hoylake's hosted the Open. Uh, first since McElroy won in 14. Obviously, we've seen Tiger Woods win there back in 2006. But Matt, a lot of changes, obviously. A lot of talk about the penultimate hole, basically new hole that all the players are going to see for the first time, the par 317, just 136 on the card. But it's interesting, isn't it? Longest back nine in open history. A lot to a lot to look at, a lot to admire with this layout. What are you specifically looking at, though, in terms of the challenge that Hoylake will present this week? Well, I've I, I've actually just I've sent a thing to to Ben earlier, like a, a course report, uh, so to speak. And I think what really stands out with Hoylake is that it has all these paired holes. So uh, the first and second, first goes at one direction, second comes straight back. And, and this thing, this keeps happening quite repetitively. Fourth and fifth, similar direction. Seven and eight, similar direction. Uh, sorry, opposite directions. Ten and eleven. And because it's going in all, all these different directions every time, and there's a subtly different test of these often. So tenth, for example, the approach shot is to a very raised green. Eleventh, it's to a, a green that's below you in the dunes. Uh, the first is subtly right to left. The second is, le- is subtly left to right. 
it's us asking constant questions of, of, of ball striking. And I think that explains why not just the fact that Tiger and Rory excelled in those two 21st century opens here, but also the fact that Jim Furyk, uh, Sergio Garcia, Adam Scott got top tens uh, in both of them. I think you've got to be really, really good at ball striking. And it, 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 it's ball striking that kind of comes naturally. You can't, you can't force it. You've got to be really high quality with the shots you're doing because you're constantly being asked subtly different questions than you were on the last hole. Um, I think the bunkers are very, very difficult here. Um, it's, it's commonly said, but I went out earlier today and I saw Padre Carrington throw a few balls into a bunker and he couldn't get any of them out. Classic Padre Harrington. He just sort of looked a little bit quizzical, tipped his head back, his, his, not his head, his cap back, a little sort of Stan Laurel-like and sort of threw a few more balls and then had another go. Uh, but it, it, if that he's guy... He's still there now. He's probably still in that bunker yes. right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, but also, I mean, um, Derek Lawrenson, the old uh, male golf writer, he saw Tiger's first ever round here and Tiger found Bunker off the first tee, the second tee, decided there and then he wasn't going to he wasn't going to hit driver um, because he just didn't want to go any near the bunkers here. So you've got to be really, really good uh, at, at managing your game to avoid those bunkers. Uh, I think probably this course, more than any other links layouts, the, the long game is more important than the short game. I often look for good short game players. Here I'm looking for, for quite good uh, ball strikers. And then you said about the 17th, that is... It's going to be such an important test. We think, but we, we we might actually well have egg on our faces if 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 they all find that quite straightforward, and it'll just it will just look very silly, and you know it, it will, that will suddenly discover that a load of hackers have been playing the seventeenth, been completely troubled by it, and the world's elite come and play, it and it's an absolute doddle. But it's 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 so tricky because anything sort short with a bit of spin sucked into the front trap, anything left. The, 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 the folds and the lie of the land, kick it left into the bunker, ditto on the right. And if you fly the green, it's, it's entirely possible somebody could bounce their way down into this wasteland that's then got reeds, which is not entirely out of the question. Somebody will be in the reeds beyond the wasteland. Um, Laurie Cantor says, if you're in the bunker on the right, you could be in there for a long time or you're going to find sand trying to escape from it. I think somebody's going to have a bit of a disaster in that bunker. And it will be very entertaining for us. It will be utterly appalling for some poor sap. Um, I think it's going to be quite a and, and the fact it's 17 rather than 7 or something, that's going to make such a, a, a huge difference on Sunday, potentially. And also what is fascinating, the wind, of course, changes direction here. I mean, I'm not telling anybody anything that nobody knows about Linksland Golf. But if, if, if the RNA put the pin in a spot that they think is 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 quite safe for the predicted wind, and then the wind changes. Seventeen will be very very difficult. Yeah, I, I love what they've done. I think they they wanted a bit more. They wanted a sort of a signature spectacle hole. They've done that. They've added it as the penultimate hole. I think you're bang on. And obviously, eighteen to par five. I think there's going to be plenty of drama. We're going to see late in the day on on Sunday. A couple of par fives to fifteen and eighteen, both over six hundred yards long as well. So, but Ben, it's interesting. You know, Matt said there. You know, Tiger hitting just the one driver in in 06. What about the condition of the course? Because we had that kind of hot stretch, but we have had quite a lot of rain recently. Conditions-wise, how how do you think it, it's going to play? And obviously, Ben, the wind is going to be a factor. It's set. It really is set to blow, particularly on Sunday. Yeah, it seemed that it might just sort of build to a bit of a crescendo on Sunday. I, I feel like at times this week it'll be really scorable. Uh, I've seen it said that you know, sixty-five is the best score here. A lot of people think that will no longer be the case by the end of this tournament that someone might go 64 or, or 63. I, I can't see a, 
Brandon Gray 62, um, but it's a lot greener than I thought it would be. Mm. Um, I think when we saw pictures from May, obviously we had a baking hot May here in England and, and it showed on the course, but it is much greener than I anticipated. And the other thing, you know, I mean, there has been rain around at the weekend. There'll be more in the coming days, I think. I don't think it's going to have all the fire that they would like. Um, and the other thing is, of course, they have lengthened it. So it is a long golf course, this, um, with potentially less run than you'd usually expect. Uh, on Lynx land. So, um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with what Matt says. I mean, historically, you look at the Open for the best scramblers. Um, you, and, and if you think about Open champions, and it's really something that I um, I sort of struggled with coming up with selections, is that you, you have to weigh that against the nature of this course and how it appears to be set up. But basically, you go through the list of Open winners and you've got all these creative geniuses or brilliant wedge players. Um, and it might just be a little bit more about the guys that we're used to seeing in US Opens and US PGAs this week. I, I don't know. I'm sure creativity is still going to be required, but just not to quite the same extent that we saw last year at St. Andrews. Uh, can, I, can I just jump in, Sarah? Yeah, just, just to say that the one thing that's really quite curious when you're looking at the course, as Ben says, the, the greens and the fairways look really, really green. But I'm very surprised at how, how wispy the, the rough is. I, I, I was chatting to somebody from the club last week and they said, oh, yeah, the, the, the rough's really lush and I've come here and I haven't found what I would consider to be lush rough at all. You see, that, that, sometimes you will find that it's really um, those sort of thick, gra uh, deep green grass at the bottom of the fescue. Well, I've been rooting about in the, rescue, in the fescue and it's, it's really quite wispy. It could get a bit tangly because it's been blown about a bit, but uh, that adds to sort of Ben's um, feeling that the, a low one could be out there because there's not, there's not a massive threat from, from really wild shots, I don't think. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and like you said, obviously, well, Hoylake in 06 was was fiery. It was firm and fast. Mm. We, we're not going to see that, but yeah, it, it was beautiful this afternoon, but I think we're going to have a fair bit of rain this week as well. So yeah, it will be fascinating. Now, let's get to the selections. Dave, I'll come to you first of all. Do this slightly differently. I'm going to sort of get you to pick pick me some selections from the top of the market. So the favourite, we're going to look at each way as well. And just a reminder, 8, 10, 12 uh, places available uh, this week with Betfair. Uh, prices varying, of course, depending on the number of places. And then outsiders as well. So Dave, I'm going to come to you for all three. So some selections here, top of the market, each way, and some potential outsiders. Is that Ben or me? Sorry. Oh, Dave, you. Sorry, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so definitely Rose. Um, sometimes I say, well, it's just the numbers, and but I do really like him this week. Um, Matt talking about uh, the bunkers. Rose is uh, first in sand saves on the PGA Tour, so he's got that in his locker as well as all the other good things. Uh, very good with his long irons. Hits it straight. I think he's 31st in driving accuracy, so I really like Rose. I really like... Um, Colin Morikara, if you're thinking a player who can rely on those long irons, um, who will kind of make sure he's not in too many bunkers, and he he can lay back a bit, a bit Tiger-esque maybe. He's second only to Scotty Scheffler um, in strokes gain approach this season. So Colin Morikara, and of course he won in 2021. But that's, that doesn't seem to get as much credit. It's almost like he flukes it somehow. It's because it was his first. It's like, oh, that was a bit weird. But now he just played some... Great golf to, to win it. And he's, he's finished runner-up on his latest start um, at the Rocket Mortgage. He's lost the playoffs. So he's coming in off the back of a second place. He's won it two years ago. I just think he's too big at the odds. I think you get 28 to 110 places, uh, which I really like. 
And then at the front, oh, it's tricky, isn't it? Because you, you could argue, I do like Scheffler. I kind of wish I was on um, on the Manti post a bit more. I think Matt said, or was it Ben said, they backed uh, one of the, the top guys um, anti-post. I mean, the, the greatest ever anti-post bet here, of course, was, I don't know if you remember this, Rory McIlroy's dad, Jerry, backed Rory at 500 to 1. Do you remember that? Um, when he was 15, so when he opened in the next 10 years, yeah. and Highlight was his last chance, and he did it. So he had, I think, 100 quid at 500 to 1, so that was rather nice. Although Rory's prize money sort of dwarfed it a little bit, but yeah. I'd have taken that, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, so... Uh, of those, I think they're better on the exchange, to be honest. I think if you're looking on the exchange, I'm just tempted by the price of John Rahm at 16.5. I just think he's almost a forgotten man of the of the top three, almost like he was at Augusta when we we sort of overlooked him somehow. So that's tempting to me. Um, Outsiders-wise, again, whether these are top 10s, top 20s, top 30s, I do feel at some point... The Hoy Guards will have a brilliant major. And I want to sort of try and get it at a crazy price. Um, I think Rasmus has got a better record in England, a really good record in England, and puts better. Nikolai played really well last time, but it's a matter of time, isn't it? They've done absolutely nothing so far in the major, but they will at some point. And I just wonder, they'll just throw it in when we're kind of not really expecting it. So, yeah, so they would be my interesting outsiders, those two. Sorry, to, there must be awful, wasn't it, being a twin when you just get thrown in together all the time? But, <laughs> but I can't genuinely, I wouldn't want to, I think they've both got great credentials, so I wouldn't want to sort of pick one over the other necessarily. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, Ben, I'll come to you next. Front of the market each way and a couple of long shots. Yeah, so the closest I got to the front of the market was um, is probably just about, I've got three very similar prices, but I've got Shane Lowry, Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson as my three from from near the top of the market. I mean, um, can you hear that? And can you hear my dog in the background? Because if you can, <laughs> this is awful. Okay, I need them said anything. Good. Um, behave yourself, Eddie. Um, so I've got Shane Lowry, Jordan Spieth, and Dustin Johnson. Now, two of the three are obviously Open champions. Um, need no introduction. But the 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 one I thought was really really exceptional value um, was Dustin Johnson. Um, kind of feel like he's. He's been put in at this sort of price, and that's where he's been left now for the last year in majors. And I feel like his performance at the US Open, where he finished 10th, holding nothing, should have prompted a, a promotion up the market, if you like. Um, he's since played two live golf events and finished in the top 10 of both. Now, obviously, top 10 has an asterisk there. It's a lot easier getting in the top 10 when there's only, you know, about 30 good golfers. But um he, he's playing one of those is at Valderrama. Um, I, I'm well informed that his strokes gained approach play numbers are really good. Now, those are not publicly available yet, but he was second in strokes gained approach at Centurion. Um, I just think his game's coming around. And if you look at his record in the Open Championship, I, I think in 11 of his 13 appearances, he's been inside the top 30 with a round to play. And that's quite a sort of arbitrary line. But it sort of it does tell you he's sort of been in the mix for a place. I think if you're getting eight, 10, 12 places, Dustin Johnson. Top 10 is the last two Opens. And I was on him last year at St Andrews at basically the same price. And I think he's got a better chance than he did this time last year. Uh, shot 65 in round two here in 2014. Obviously, wasn't a major champion then. So Dustin Johnson is my bet of the week uh, in the Open Championship. Uh, in terms of bigger prices, I really like Corey Connors. I think he's one of those who all of us would have our doubts. I think our doubts would concern 
you know, whether he can actually get over the line, um, whether his chipping will will stand up under pressure, whether he can putt well enough. Although it seems like he putts really well on sort of links greens. He did last week in the final round, certainly. And in last year's um, Open Championship, his putter was probably his best club. So there's some encouragement there. Um, but actually, I think if he went and won, I think he'd be one of those where we go and when when Dave, for instance, does his trends next year, he'd be sort of like, well, yeah, he, he did fit a lot of the things. He'd won that year. He's in his 30s. Um, he played well. He contended at Royal St. George's. He played well at St. Andrews. He's got loads of little things in his favour. He sort of reminds me of Ernie Els a little bit. Um, and maybe he can do an Ernie and, and win an Open. Um, so he's sort of mid-range. And at the same price point, I'll just give you one more. Um, and this has got high risk, uh, but potential for high reward. There was one firm earlier today, and the price has gone. So I, I, I still think he's valued. Hideki Matsuyama was 100 to 1 in a place earlier today. Was he? And I was like, excuse me. That's <laughs> plain offensive. Um, and he was 80 to 1 with most firms, 90 to 1 as well. And I, I, I went and had a look. I thought, well, hold on a minute. And there are two things I'd say. One, if he hadn't played in the Rocket Mortgage Classic, where he missed the cut and, you know, probably didn't care a lot about that. Um, I always go back to the Jeff Ogilvy thing. He always said, like, if you think these guys are always trying as hard as you'd like mm. them to or always want to be there, you're absolutely mad. Like, there are sometimes they just go through the motions, right? They're human. Um, if, he, if he hadn't played there, I think you'd be significantly lower in the betting. Um, and the other thing, I look back at, obviously, we know he's had his neck problem. We know he's lost distance. He says so. So you'd think that would translate to some really bad numbers, you know, in his long game. But he's, there are two players this year who've been in the top 10 for strokes gained tee to green at all three majors. One is Scotty Scheffler. The other is Hideki Matsuyama. He's putted hopelessly in two of them. He putted badly, but not hopelessly in the Masters and was 16. 66 to 1 with 12 places still available. A slightly better putting week. I, and it's Hideki Matsuyama. I mean, what more do I need to say? It's just too big. Too big a price. Whatever happens. That's a great show. Amazing as well. Yeah, you know, that. you know why I won't be backing him, don't you, Ben? <laughs> uh, last time he turned up in Liverpool, they were ESPN were doing this thing about the Beatles. He'd never heard of the Beatles. Karma can't have him winning. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps he's taken on board this criticism. He's particularly determined to come back and win back the love of the Liverpool crowd. And he's going to win it and like break into a Beatles medley at the end of it. Reckon he'll, he'll name them all as he holds up the current. <laughs> this is for you, George, John, Paul. <laughs> yeah. He'll definitely get one of them wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, yeah, Billy. <laughs> and on that note, Matt, to you, your selections, please. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with uh, with Ben in liking Shane Lowry. Uh, I mean, I've, 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 I've joked already today that um, I might end up over a cliff backing uh, Shane Lowry because I, I, I just love him at majors. I mean, I was, both me and Ben were on him at Port Rush and it was a wonderful ride. But um, I've, I've, especially since lockdown, I've not felt disinclined not to at least look at him in a major. He, he, he seems to really understand what he needs to do. And the, dif the difference between genuinely, con he's contended a few times and I've, I've been on him when he has, but the difference between lots of top 25s and contending, sometimes it's just a bit of luck. Sometimes it's like a bit of an edge. And I, I think there's a potential for a bit of edge this week because his first top 10 came in the Open came at Hoylake and he was on the wrong side of the draw that week and only he and Adam Scott finished in the top 11 um, on, the, on the leaderboard who had a PM AM 
uh, draw. And I think I think actually Adam Scott has remembered that, and I think Shane Lowry's probably remembered it. And I think they feel there's like a little bit of something uh, for them this week. And also, I just like the fact that Shane Lowry, he, uh, again, Ben will have appreciated this at the Masters. I think we were both on him there, and he was brilliant to tee to green. But he got so frustrated with his inability to put the ball in the hole, and he's he's got better at River Highlands. He he got a 64 and a 65 last week. Um, I like him at 33 to one with with eight places. Um, from higher up, um, I quite like Victor Hovland this week. He contended at old, the old course. Um, in actual fact, he was, what is it? He was he was leading at the Masters, uh, sharing the lead after eight holes at the Masters, sharing at halfway in the PGA Championship, sharing at fifty four holes uh, at the old course last year. He might be sharing after seventy two holes, and hopefully, if he does, he'll do what he did when he was at the Memorial, and he'll win in extra holes. Um, and I, I actually, I think the exchange price is really good on him, twenty eight. Um, I, I, I think he's, I think he's, he's kind of like he could be due, and he's. I like the fact that he can play in the in the wind. I don't think it's going to be really blustery, but I think he's going to be blustery enough to put a few people out of the equation this week. And I don't think he's likely to be one of them. He also had a sixty-three last week at the Renaissance, which got a little bit hidden. So I don't, you know, I, I think he 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 ticked along like quite a lot of these people who played Renaissance. They've not really started at it. They've just ticked along, made the cut, done something nice, and then just stayed away from getting in contention. Really like him, and if if we're going bigger, uh, I'm I'm reminded of we did this podcast from the car park at Royal Birkdale um, six years ago. I don't know if you remember this, Sarah. It's one of my favourite memories because we, <laughs> in the middle of this podcast, a car drove past. Somebody wound the window down and said, "Hello, Sarah. How are you?" <laughs> I think it was it was somebody who played at your golf club or something. It was the most random thing ever. Absolutely spectacular. Very funny, but. Um, I tipped that week Matthew Southgate for a for a, I think for a top ten and he got it. But um, uh, I'm going to back him for a top twenty this week at nine to one. I think that's a really good price for him. Um, he's had two uh, two top twenties in four appearances at the Open, and he he has like really strong family connections with the Open. He was his his legs were dangling over the Barry Burn when Jean Van der Velde was flapping about it and paddling in the in the actual burn itself. Um, he travelled up to watch Tom Watson at Turnbury in 2009. His first Open was here in 2014. Um, he's got his dad went to the Open for years, took him. He, he's, there's lots of emotional ties this week for him. And actually, I bumped into him. He's one of the first people I bumped into in the media centre. And he was working in the media centre last year doing radio commentary for Open Radio. He really enjoyed it, but he was really, really frustrated. And when he qualified, I actually messaged him and said, I'll be really, really pleased not to see you in the media cafe. And literally the first person I saw today was him. And I was like, that's a bit weird. And he was like, yeah, but I'm so glad that I'm actually going to be out there playing. He's really buzzing about it. He really loves Lynx golf. Member at Carnoustie. He's one on the old course as an amateur, one at Royal St. George's as a, as a, a, a young pro. Uh, lots of Lots of pluses for this week. Uh, he was on the wrong side of the draw, actually, at Hoylake when he made his, his debut and missed the cut. Um, I think he'll be buzzing, and I think 9-1 for the top 20 is really good. Amazing. Good stuff. Good selections. And Ben hasn't mentioned JT yet. What's going on? We're nearly at the end of the podcast, and JT still hasn't been mentioned. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, he's changed his putting method. He's changed something, so he'll be back, don't you worry. Well, Some look, people seem to think he's not going to make the Ryder Cup team, which... Uh, it's crazy, but um, we'll we'll see how he goes. But yeah, he's a big price. But I'll I'll take Hideki over Justin <laughs> Thomas this week. Yeah, like you said, Hideki is at least sixty six to one, uh, twelve places, um, with Betfair. So yeah, I still can't believe that. But anyway, look, just about um, 
time to wrap up, but there is a bet five pounds, get five pounds promo with Betfair this week, giving punters a free uh, five pound bet to those backing any top finish multiple that includes the top five, top 10, 20, 30, 40 finish markets on the sports book. So we're going to get the panel uh, to put, to select who would they put in their multiple. We're all going to have a go at this. Uh, so Dave, I'll come to you first for this. Yeah, we've already mentioned him, but uh, Corey Connors for a top 20. I'll tell you why specifically I like him for a top 20. If you look at his majors record, it's either he misses the cut or he finishes in the top 20. So I think the last 14 majors, he's had seven missed cuts, but six top 20s. And the other one, the sort of missing one was 28. That was at St Andrews, 15th at Hoylake, sorry, at um, well, St George's. So it's almost like an even money chance that he finishes in the top 20, but we're not getting even money. We're getting five to two. So Corey Connors is my uh, my uh, contribution to this. Good stuff. Ben, you? Uh, I'm going Chris Kirk for the top 40. Um, he's won the 100 Classic this year. And time and again, that just proves like a fantastic guide to any tournament played in the wind. Um, we saw it last week, actually, because Eric Cole, who was second to him, popped up at the Renaissance. Ben Ann's got a really good record in the Honda Classic. Brian Harmon, players who were involved uh, last week. And obviously, if you go back, Padraig Harrington's won it. Adam Scott, Sergio Garcia, Rory McIlroy himself, Ernie Els, uh, Todd Hamilton, albeit a different course. So um, it's always been a really good guide to, to majors. So that was kind of my start point. Uh, his Open debut came here in 2014. He finished 19th. Uh, and he has two top 30s this season in the majors um, at courses, I would say, are probably less suitable. And then just to complete it, he's found form with a couple of top 30s the last twice. He was not far away from the lead after three rounds of the John Deere Classic. Uh, it was nice to see that he played at West Lancashire on Sunday with Sepp Stracker, his sort of travelling housemate who did win the John Deere Classic. Um, so some good vibes there. And uh, yeah, Chris Kirk, he's just really, really solid. You look at the stats for the year, he's sort of top 25 uh, in terms of strokes gained total on the PGA Tour, doing most things well, gaining strokes in every department. Um, and I think he's just one of those that he gets put up at sort of 300 to 1 because he's American. And if you had that profile, those statistics of player from the UK, dare I say, uh, they'd be considerably shorter in the market. So, yeah, Chris Kirk, I like him in loads of markets, but I'll put him in this for the top 40. Lovely. And Matt, for you, your selection for the multiple? Yeah, I've mentioned him already, uh, but Adam Scott has got a couple of top 10s here at Hoylake. But, um, 14 of his last 18 open starts for top 40 and you can get 11 to 10 on him um i think that's that's uh that's good odds for somebody who, who hits the, the top 40 that that often um i also quite liked that ben did mention ben brian Harmon. i've i, I really quite like i'm not gonna put him up but i, I really like that that brian Harmon. by the way this week and i think in a week where the ashes might might overshadow the open the fact that he's a he's a ricky ponting lookalike might might <laughs> might be quite handy <laughs> Good stuff. And I'm going to go Fowler, top 10. I think when we look back at 14, obviously you forget it was Sergio and Fowler, wasn't it? Uh, McElroy with the victory, but tied second, Ricky um, and Sergio. So he's got some nice memories from Hoyleg. And I just love the way, I love what Ricky's doing. And Ben, I remember you saying this. I think didn't we discussed him for the US Open and you said, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put him up for the US Open because I just feel he'll, he needs to win a regular tournament before he breaks through into a major, you were bang on because he, you know, he was there or thereabouts, but faded Sunday, didn't he, at the US Open and then goes and wins the Rocket Mortgage. But 
I just yeah, love... I put it, I, I did put him up in the end. So really? I, I wish I listened to myself because then I was on <laughs> I was on Morikawa in the Rocket Mortgage Classic when Fowler <laughs> beat him in a playoff. So another thing I've got wrong this last six weeks. But yes, he's um yeah. There's no reason Ricky won't play well this week. He's uh, he's world class again, isn't he? And uh, it's going to be great yeah. to see him back in the Ryder Cup side, whatever happens this week, because I'm I'm certain he'll be in it. Absolutely, you know, you love, and I think when you look at some of the less so now, but Ricky's always been a guy who's like Jordan uh, Spieth embraces that kind of. He embraces Lynx golf, doesn't he? You really have to. And Ricky loves that creativity and the visualisation, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's uh, that'd be my pick uh, for the multiple. Uh, guys, just to wrap up very quickly, just a recap of your selections, just names very quickly, just to, just to round up. Uh, Dave, first of all. Yeah, so I really like Justin Rose uh, from lo- for loads of reasons. Uh, Colin Morikawa, I really like. I'm not sure I even mentioned Ricky Fowler. But yeah, I, I, I'm big on him this week, Ricky Fowler. Yeah. I, I, that year he came top five and... All four majors, obviously, one of them was here. Uh, so I like him. And then Corey Connors, I like for a top 20. I've just got this niggling feeling about the Hoygaard twins doing something good. Perfect. Matt, just a quick recap names for you, selections this week. Yeah, Shane Lowry, Victor Hovland, and a top 20 for Matthew Southgate. Lovely. And Ben, likewise, just a quick reminder. Yeah, best bet, Dustin Johnson. Also like Spieth and Lowry. Best value, Hideki Matsuyama. Um, and Corey Connors and Chris Kirk as well, I think will go well. Fantastic. Great stuff as always, guys. Loving your selections and your insight into what should be a fabulous week at Hoylake Royal Liverpool for the final major of the season. Good to recap your bets as well. And just to remind all our listeners, uh, please do gamble responsibly. Uh, that is all for now. Enjoy the Open Championship at Hoylake, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. <laughs>